0: to The Anthroposopher, where we bring anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. I'm Lars Gappetigi, your host. On this episode of The Anthroposopher, the Anthroposophical Society in America's podcast, we talk with Hazel Archer Ginsberg. We explore the holy knights, the shepherds and the kings, the meaning of darkness and light and what might be growing inside us if we just take the time to reflect over the next few weeks during this holiday season. Hi, Hazel. Hello, hello. (laughs) Thanks for joining me on the Anthroposopher today. And um, Hazel Archer-Ginsburg, you are in Chicago. And you've been doing work with festivals and the Waldorf School and Elderberry's Cafe and all kinds of amazing things um, in Chicago. So we're so glad you're there in that part of the country, um, holding down the anthroposophical fort for us there. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to, you know, talk with you about this time of year and uh, because of all your work with the festivals. So I thought um, it'd be a great time to just talk about... What is the meaning of this time of year? So I don't know, however you wanna open, you go for it and we'll just go
1: from there. Well, I think we should start with the fact that we are in Advent, right? And this is a Latin word, which means to prepare, to prepare, to arrive. So we are, we're in this time of preparation. It's uh, really an inner exercise of trying to become present. So, you know, we can use this as a time for inner work, a time for contemplation. And ironically, and of course not by accident, it's also a time of great out, outward activity, right? People get kind of stressed a little bit this time of year. And, you know, it can really feel like a time of trials. You know, have you been naughty or have you been nice? <laughs> right. You know, it was interesting because I have a friend from Ro- Rome- Romania and in the Eastern cultures, they really treat this time of year as a sort of a a winter tide Lent, right? So they're really trying to, you know, be present to uh, try to see what, you know, that which is holy inside of us, mm. you know, that that warm inner light that, that we can honor and let grow within us. And so, you know, like a like a pregnant mother, we have to, you know, we have something to protect, something to nurture. And, and this is a time to be more conscious of what we let in and, you know, what we can say, okay, we wanna keep this out, you know? So so can we envision the, the working of anthroposophia, that true spiritual wisdom waiting to be born in our humanity, right? Creating uh, an inner chalice through selflessness and, and earnest devotion to the spirit.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what an interesting time of year because, you know, you're right. There is this pool outwards that's so strong and this pool to materialism that's so strong. And I mean, and I don't mean it in like, you know, it's wonderful to create and give gifts and things like that, but it, it's it's just sometimes can get really overwhelming. So this idea that actually at this time there's supposed to be reflection happening and, and, and quiet at, at some points is really um, special. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Can we make peace with what's happening in the outer world while we're having this time of preparation? You know, it's, it really, you know, it can feel like a battle between light and darkness. You know, but if we keep that, that inner light burning, you know, it just has to be this gentle, gentle light, you know, just to foster it, to, to consciously gestate, right? To be attentive to, you know, what wants to be born out of the darkness, you know, those, those many gifts that, that will grow with us and then can shine out into the world.
0: You know, it's so interesting because I have a friend that's a therapist and she said that, you know, there's, there's just this feeling of hopelessness for people. And I was, I was trying to have this conversation with her. She's not connected to Anthroposophy in any way, Um, but she has her own spiritual beliefs. Um, But I think your clients and you, like there's, there's something that's growing and, Um, have to pay attention to that but it's it's under the earth right now it's not like just out there for you to see and grab onto so it can feel kind of hopeless because but but this this quiet attentiveness and this preparation allows that to grow at this time of year so there is that that real darkness and that is happening in the sky we don't have so much light Um, and this darkness sort of that happens within us if we're not um, aware that there's a seed or something beautiful that's going to come, it really does not feel so good. And well, so- you know,
1: when everything seems dead and barren on the face of the earth, yeah, below the surface, the, the inner life can be strengthened. You know, and if we let go of that, that false hustle and bustle imposed on us from without, and we sit in the stillness of the darkness, where the heartbeat can be heard, right, that little drummer boy, you know, keeps that steady rhythm, you know, we can find some inner strength there. And we can let go of the fear of the dark, you know, and when we let our eyes adjust to the dark, you know, soon we can really, really see quite clearly in the dark. And and then we can really begin the work of repatterning, right, opening to the inspiration of our immaculate conception. You know, it's really about energizing hope for the, the sun's return, you know, and the, the earth's renewal. You know, we have to make like a, I like to think of it as a, a spiritual manger, you know, a sacred space in those frozen, dark places that, that seem devoid of life. But, but really, it's just a, a sterilized palette, you know, a clean slate, fresh, ready for the newly conceived light to be born into it and to fill. Thank
0: you for that. Yeah, so um, maybe I could digress a little bit, and then I want to hear all the rest of these things about the season, because I know there's more. I know we're just like at the tip of the iceberg here. Um, how did you get into this? How, like, what, what was your connection, and how did you like get into festival work? I mean, people might not even know what that word means, festivals, but... Uh, So maybe you could talk about that a little bit more. But how
1: did you encounter Anthroposophy? Well, you know, I I had always been very much in touch with the natural world and, uh, you know, really trying to to find out, you know, what is the essence behind the spirit behind nature? And I was lucky to have um, on my father's side, the Italian side, you know, they they did a lot of uh, celebrating in a really beautiful, reverent sort of way. Um, and at an early age, I, I really came across the, the, uh, the ancient texts of Rosicrucianism. And so I started to work with, with that. And when I was in college, I was studying philosophy and comparative religion, women's studies, you know, all that good stuff. But I was finding it kind of dry, you know, it wasn't really speaking to me. It didn't feel right for who I was as a, as a woman in the 21st century. And then I read Owen Barfield and uh, some of the Inklings and uh, all of that, you know, sort of looking into this, uh, this realm of, you know, beyond the, the sense world. And I really got lit up by that. And through the work of Owen Barfield, I found Rudolf Steiner. And I thought, wow, yes, I mean, this is modern Rosicrucianism. It truly, truly is. But, but it was interesting, you know, and I, I started doing that work on my own and getting books and such, but I never knew there was a, uh, an Anthroposophical Society. I did not know that for many, many, many years. I worked on my own. It wasn't until my daughter was in the Waldorf School, I think she was in grade school, when somebody was like, oh yeah, there's this thing called the Anthroposophical Society, and by the way, there's a branch like, you know, uh, a mile from your house, <laughs> So, uh, so I went over there. And, um, you know, it was interesting, because at that time, this was many years ago now, it was not a very warm and inviting place. So I did not go back. Took me a long time, you know, to get my courage back. But then but then I said, No, I have to I have to go here because I really feel strongly about these teachings. And uh, so it really it was the impetus for me to take up the festival life. Because to me, it really is about community. It's about finding the sacred in each other, you know, and, and seeing each human being as an opportunity, you know, for, for meeting ourselves and for healing. So, uh, you know, the festival life is really just looking at the wheel of the year. And there's all these amazing opportunities to, to get in t- contact with. Um, you know the, the the cycles that happen that we see on the Earth through the changes of the season, but this also correlates with the cosmic energies, so yeah, so like right now it 's a very powerful cosmic time you know as we get closer to the winter solstice yeah, okay,
0: so so that that entry sort of at college and through philosophy, and then Owen Barfield, who kind of hung out with tolkien and and c s Lewis, right. Um, and then, you know, your, your connection to a branch and, and some people might not know a branch. Um, they're kind of groups that study anthroposophy throughout the country. And some cities have what it's called a branch, a branch of, of the society. And so um, you kept going back
1: and then started to take on their festivals. Um, and that- now the place is beautiful. Now we, we ring forth with with goodwill. And we had like 40 people at our All Souls Festival and um, it was just, it was beautiful. I mean, everybody can, can relate to these things on, on, on many, many levels.
0: That's great. And I want to make sure um, be, before we close today that we talk about your super cool newsletter, Reverse Ritual. So let's, let's make sure we, we loop back to that. Um, I, did, I did go outside this morning and it was still dark and there was the brightest thing in the sky and i know you work with this too can you tell do you know what that heavenly body was and maybe that'll bring us back to this this mood
1: of this time of year <laughs> well what i noticed this morning was that crescent moon that was the mm. that struck me so um yes yeah. also yeah. yeah yeah and of course you know there there's all kinds of alignments going on these these amazing heavenly bodies, you know, they always have something to say to us. So what did they say to you this morning?
0: Oh, it was just, I thought, my gosh, if I had looked up in the sky at this time of year, um, you know, with, with the story of the Kings and the Shepherds, I mean, if I had seen that, I would have thought, wow, that is, that is talking to me, that, that star, that planet was talking to me. So it felt like it, it was just saying, you know, just i'm so bright i'm so bright i'm right here i'm so bright so um well yeah, yeah i
1: mean this time of year you know the the winter solstice is really the dark before the dawn right it's it's again this time of renewal and so you know twice a year uh, on the summer solstice on the winter solstice the earth aligns with the sun and it becomes this straight line to the center of the galaxy Right. So so these alignments really bring stronger than normal spiritual currents to the earth. You know, and so it opens a a way for change, a change of consciousness, opportunities for healing, realigning with with the goals of our our highest evolution. So, you know, throughout the the ancient world, people gathered at sacred sites. Right. Places like Newgrange in in Ireland or the Temple of Karnak in, in Egypt and they would celebrate the miracle of the the sun's return at the darkest time of the year. So in, you know, you can really get this beautiful image, this picture of, of, you know, in the pitch black sanctuaries of the caves, you know, the, the earth chambers, our ancestors waited for the birth of the new light and life. You know, this, this idea of entering into the longest night, you know, entering into the birth of light. Right. So it's this, Ability to be able to consecrate, well, the nativity of a new solar year, right? So, yeah, we can notice these changes of, you know, the oblique sun at midwinter, you know, how it's drawing in its breath, you know, before birthing the new light, you know. And we, we can, you know, be able to celebrate this, this deep night, you know, the dark of the vast universe, right, between the stars and, you know, the deep darkness of the sea, right, that, that dark mystery of the tomb and, and the waiting womb of, of inner renewal. You know, so we, we let this power of faith lead us from the darkness into the birth of, of our really our own unique inner light. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, it's
0: just it's sort of <laughs> an act of faith that we just go to bed. And we 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 sleep and then we wake up and and the sun is supposed to just be there you know and so this this idea that um, it it wanes and then and then comes back so strongly um, is is really really nice. Okay, well, have you
1: ever have you ever heard of the uh, the dream song of Olaf Astrøsen? No, so tell me what is that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's an ancient Norwegian folk song, but it was something that they sang during what we call the Holy Nights. So we've heard of, you know, on the 12 days of Christmas, da-da-dee-da-dee-da, da, 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 right? So there, there's a meaning behind that, that fun, fun, delicious song. Uh, these 12 holy nights, which start on uh, Christmas Eve and go all the way through till Epiphany, January 6th. So, so talk about sleeping and dreaming. Uh, this Olaf Osterson, right? It's, it's the story of how during the, the dark winter between this, this sacred time, uh, Olaf, actually, his name means son of earth. And so he, he, ex- he goes to sleep and he experiences the mysteries of the cosmos, right? He's like transported into the macrocosm during these, these 13 holy nights, which really can be viewed as a, a sort of initiation into the, the great secrets of existence. So, so these holy nights are really, yeah, we kind of think of them as outside of time, right? And they lay over the next 12 months of the year. So, so we can review what was happening in our lives over the past year using the 12 signs of the Zodiac as our guide. Right? So, so, yeah. so do you mean like these 12 nights
0: correspond to each month of our past year the, right. and, and our next year? Wow.
1: Yeah. Okay. So like 12 yeah. months in the year and 12 nights. Okay. Cool. Exactly. Right. The past, present, and future, that's just a concept that we need to have here so we don't, you know, we're not late for work. <laughs> but they, really, they kind of go along with each other here. And this time of year, you know, it, that's the secret, that they do overlay, right? And then what I like to do over here, you know, in Chicago, we, we do celebrate and uh, the Holy Nights. And so we'll start with Pisces on Christmas Eve. So we start with the feet. That represents the feet. And then we move up, you know, each one of the, the zodiac signs represent a different part of the body. So we're we're creating our, our body anew, you know, we're, we're looking past, uh, like you said, through our last year. Yeah, what did we do that was good? What do we want to keep doing? What, do, what seeds do we want to gather that we want to plant again? And then, okay, yeah, what's the future going to hold for me? You know, what, what do I want to see grow into fullness? So you know, again, this, this time of contemplation, really paying attention to our dreams because it, this is a sacred time out of time, right? And it, it gives us glimpses into our soul life, like you said, for the coming year. So keeping a, a dream journal, yep, that's a, you know, a really good, good thing to do during the holy nights. It's a, a living contemplative practice that you know, makes this, quote, initiation, you know, really available to everybody. Mm. So that's one
0: of the practical things people can do is kind of have a dream journal for each night starting on Christmas Eve. Is that what yeah. you said? No. Yeah. Okay. All the way through to um, J- Epiphany, which is January 6th, right? Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. So
0: the night before. Wow. Okay. And yeah, I, I want people to know like, you don't have to be perfect at this. Like you just yeah. do whatever works for you. But but the thing is to use this as a time of reflection. And really it's it's an exercise of um, willpower <laughs> or the will to do this during this time because there is usually so much going on. But it, I found, I've, I found that I was always someone that didn't really like Christmas. I just, there was something that I didn't have like a religious connection to it. And then, you know, ugh, I don't know, it, it just didn't sit right with me. But when I started to explore it in this way, I could find meaning in the light and in the re- the reflective, quiet time that can happen. So, yeah. So, tell us more. What else? What else should we know about this time of year? What else can we do? <laughs> yeah,
1: we just finished the, you know, the the Jewish festival of Hanukkah, right? That was that. That's again this idea of, yeah, what can happen? What kind of miracles can happen in the dark, right? So, embracing this time where we can, you know, uh, really uh, grow spiritually and be prepared for all of the responsibilities that we have, right? So um, yeah, life places a lot of demands on us, requires uh, being able to have a vision, being able to be decisive, you know, but we're really not able to do that unless we really take some time, especially during the, 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 the hustle and bustle, for ourselves. You know, can we give that gift to ourselves where we just sit, even if it's just five minutes, and write a little something down, a certain impression, or, yeah, you go out and you see something in, in nature, or, you know, you see the animal life, or or whatever it is that, that catches your attention, you know, can we pay attention to see the miracles there waiting, you know, to be revealed uh, there in the darkness, you know, so the Holy Nights can really be an inspiring uh, step into the new year, you know, giving us... Uh, a greater consciousness and enthusiasm for, for, you know, the work of, uh, you know, our destiny. What, what is, what is it that we came here to do? We can remind ourselves of that.
0: So nice. So nice. And I I like that. Just, just, what do you notice? And if we, if we talk about, you know, an anthroposophy, like the spiritual piece of it speaking in symbols to us, it's good to kind of pay attention to what, what you see or what you notice during this, this time. And that's kind of a, I think um that's a really relatable thing for people. Like what what might they see when they're outside in nature? Does a does a hawk fly above them? Does a does a certain tree feel really connected to them? And and what are the what's it's, it's happening all around us all the time. So but maybe I'm getting a little too uh off track here.
1: So so no, any Absolutely <laughs> not because you know that's what the shepherds were doing. That's what they were doing. Right. I mean, you know, yeah tell me, if if the <laughs> What is it? The, the Golden Bough. It's a, it's a great book of, of legends and such. You know, the reason that the shepherds were, were out, you know, during the middle of the night was because on, around the time of the, the summer and the winter solstices, they would hold these all night vigils, right? They'd be out there in nature, you know, because, because you know, there is this sort of veil that, that lifts and, you know, the, the spirit behind nature wants to talk to us. and so we just have to listen. So those, those shepherds, that's what they were doing. They were out there listening, you know. And they were able to, you know, this, this image of, of, of Olaf Osterson, son of earth, right? You know, you could think of him like this ancient shepherd, you know, laying his head upon the earth or, or on the body of, of, a, of a nice warm sheep, right? And just, uh, you know, watching the stars and, and just being in tune with, with um, you know, what wants to be revealed. And so we can learn a lot from those shepherds. You know, they, they were present for, for again, this, this amazing miracle. Mm. So, you know, I
0: think I've, there's a lot of discussion around the shepherds and the kings in anthroposophy in, in terms of, like, these two sort of archetypes of human beings in a way. And, of course, it goes, you know, everything we say on this podcast, you can read probably, like, I don't know thirty five lectures on like one sentence that we say. <laughs> so if you want to go deeper with Steiner, you always can go deeper, and the other anthroposophical writers too. Um, but but can you talk a little bit? So we we're talking about that that beautiful image of of being out there and, and nature speaking to these shepherds, and um, you know that's a certain kind of personality or way of being in the world. And then uh, on the other side of that, we have the kings. So, um, and maybe that integration piece, you can touch on that a little bit in case people are interested.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, some people approach the world more from, uh, you know, uh, uh, having a foothold in the natural world, seeing, seeing that spirit in nature, coming with this warmth of enthusiasm, right? Being able to, you know, put uh, you know their their thoughts into their actions very easily, and you know some of us are more think thinkers you know we, we like to read a book and we you know we we, we want to contemplate things and maybe not necessarily get up and do too much but but that 's okay because we we we're very thoughtful and we want to discuss and talk and have study groups and you know that sort of thing so it's kind of you could think of it as you know like the pre priest and the scientist, right? Uh, you could put it in those terms as well, or, or like I said, warmth and light. Now, you know, you really don't want to have, you know, something like that's too warm, you know, without giving off light. You want to be able to share that light. You want to be able to talk about it. You want to be able to, to know what you're talking about, you know, and you don't want to just have that light that can be too blinding. You want to you wanna have some warmth to it as well, so you know it's really just two paths to knowledge you know we we coming from it from a point of view of of uh, action or are we coming from the point of view of contemplation and can we do a little bit of both
0: yeah it seems like we really need to do both of those things and i think i think the awareness that we have about you know are you more of a shepherd or are you more of a king um, helps us in our relationships with other people and to understand ourselves better. And then that helps with the integration. So if I'm, I'm you know, mostly willpower, it's good to, to be able to be very conscious of my thinking. Um, and then if you're a great thinker, then how do you, how do you realize and um, make things happen in the world at the same time? So uh, that's, that's a really nice picture. Yeah. Okay. So, so, anything else we can talk about
1: with this time of year. No, there's so much. <laughs> yeah, there's so much. You know, what, what's interesting is that the, you know, New Year's Eve falls right kind of in the middle there of the Holy Nights, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, again, you know, old Z- old Ling's eye, you know, again, this idea of sort of looking back and then looking forward. Um, you know, I always think of the future as being like this line that You know arcs out in front of us sort of like a rainbow that that arcs out in front And then the past sort of this this line that extends behind You know and and then then I always come to this image that well space is curved right so So again somewhere the future meets the past and and the circle is joined in wholeness Right so yeah guess what that's that's what we call the now (laughs) Mm, that is so great. the place in time, the place in space where we can meet ourselves wherever we go. You know, that's this, that's this now, you know, where we can even meet ourselves, like you said, when we, when we greet each other. You know, we see, oh, that person, you know, maybe they think a little bit different than I do, and, and maybe they have a lesson for me. You know, maybe I, you know, yes, I want to strengthen my, my virtues and my strong points, but I can also learn from, from what doesn't come naturally to me. So, you know, how can we, we share this present, right? This present uh, now, this, this gift of now, you know, how can we unwrap it together, you know, in this, in this spirit of, of peace and love and, and wisdom? Hmm, nice. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder if there's anything
0: else you want to share or if we can just let people... Think about this. this. There's so much content here, so much for people to to reflect on,
1: um, and hopefully, well, I'll, just, I'll just end with uh, you know the last day of of uh, the Holy Nights is you know I love that it's called Epiphany. You know we say, oh, she had an Epiphany, right? And that's like oh, the, that light bulb over your head. You know, can can we you know do that work so that we can have that light above our head? Can we have that Epiphany? You know, and of course. Um, you know, I mentioned my my friend uh, from from the East. You know, and, and the Eastern Orthodox people, they kind of had a little bit of a clue going there. They they actually celebrate Christmas on Epiphany. They they celebrate Christmas on uh, January sixth, and that's when the the three Magi uh, arrive. Right, that's that's there. That's the Three Kings Day. That's what we call it. But um, you know, we also know that that. The time that we celebrate the baptism, so there's a, a real mystery to that as well.
0: I, I love that. Yeah, we have some friends um, who are Serbian, and that, that's when they start their. <laughs> that's when they start their Christmas is um, on Epiphany. That's when they they celebrate. I think so. Yes. Um, yeah, I love that. A picture of that. Uh, can can you get to that point so you could come through these holy nights to these activities of reflection and being still and then have this sort of light bulb at the end or at least the seed of a light bulb maybe i'm mixing my metaphors now but (laughs) anyway well hazel thank you so much um can you tell everybody about your your um newsletter for a minute
1: yeah yeah there's you know it's it's a it's kind of a little website i call it reverse ritual um, because uh, that was a, a term that Steiner used, um, this idea that we have to do things differently. We, we, we don't do the old rituals where we're calling down energies, spiritual powers. Now we have to rise in our thinking to meet these spiritual energies. So he calls it reverse ritual. And um, because I work with the festivals of the year, uh, that's what I consider to be uh, what's appropriate for our time now. We're not, we're not trying to repeat things from the past we're not trying to revive them we're trying to renew them so how can we we take these opportunities that the the earth and the cosmos present to us every year and 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 bring them into uh, a rebirth and uh, again it, through community so I, I talk about the festival seasons I talk about um, you know I really take the calendar of the year that the, the calendar of the soul that that Rudolf Steiner gave us where he took the 52 verses or the 52 weeks of the year and created these, these mantric verses where we can really look into the energies. So I, I I take that concept and I apply them to what's going on now. So I I make these comparisons to boy. Yeah. This particular saint like today, as a matter of fact is, is the the feast day of, of Guadalupe, right? December 12th. And, um, you know, so what else happened on December 12th? Well, we can look back at history and and see different things and find connections and correlations and perhaps a a portend for the future. So I do a little bit of that and I collect uh, and show a lot of art. So there's a lot of art forms that that, uh, I put up on the blog. A lot of anthroposophy on there. So there's, um, you know, different things you can click on to... Learn more about uh, a particular subject, for instance, so um, yeah, I I want it to be user friendly. I want people to be able to to go on there and um, You know, write something back so we can get a dialogue going. You know, I love the idea of of a discourse and uh, You know, uh, like like you're doing now with working with the the internet, you know, we we don't have to be in the same room. We can be anywhere on the on the on the planet and, and relate to each other and share so Yes, that's one
0: of the good things about technology for sure. Here we are. We can be connected and like we are today. Um, thank you so much. So reversevirtual.com oh, Okay, awesome. And Hazel, thank you for the insight on the season. And um, I can't wait to talk to you again. So thanks. Thanks for this time of year. We'll have to connect in another special time of year as well. And uh, have a beautiful holiday season no matter what you're celebrating. And um, have a good, reflective, contemplative, holy nights. Thanks for joining us today on The Anthroposopher. Stay tuned for our next episode.